I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. Nothing will grow you faster than trying to raise a child. My journey as a mom has come with plenty of aha moments, moments where the way I react to my kid reveals more about me than it does about them. And I've also found that the lessons that I want to teach them, the ones that truly, that I believe, will set them up for success, turn out to be the ones that I am still learning myself. Today's guest, Sarah Bragg, has just written the book, A Mother's Guide to Raising Herself, that encourages and equips moms who are discovering all the ways they need to grow. Sarah is a popular podcast host, communicator, and author. You can find her on iTunes hosting the podcast Surviving Sarah. She is also a wife, mother of girls, and a creative entrepreneur. I've been a mother for a long time, and I am still growing into my best self, even in the midst of parenting my kiddos. It's probably one of the reasons why I enjoyed this conversation so much. Real quick, you've heard me talk about one-on-one coaching before, but did you know that I offer a self-paced family series that helps you imagine, plan, and build your best family? It gives you step-by-step instructions to decide what you want your family to be known for, determine your values so that you can make decisions with confidence. It can also help you create practices, routines, and rhythms that will allow you to live the way you want as a family. If you want to find out more details, you can head over to buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash course and check it out. Now, let's go meet Sarah. Welcome, Sarah, to the podcast. It's fantastic to have you here today. I'm so glad to be here. I have a little cup of coffee so we can feel like we're just, you know, sitting together, maybe in person instead of just via screen. Yeah. But I know I always bring a drink with me. Liquid motivation. I'm like, is it time for coffee? Like, let's just pour a cup of coffee. I may not finish it, but there's something about it. It's presence that I'm like, okay, I can do this. (laughs) I recently got um, a cup that you charge and then it keeps it warm. Yeah. Mm. I I drink tea, but it's been like amazing because now I can just, even if I don't drink it, I can just carry it with me all around the place and keep it warm. Yes. I know. (laughs) In the event that I I typically, I typically drink so fast that. I don't ever, things don't have time to cool down, but mm-hmm. I could see where that would be very beneficial. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So a question that we ask all of our guests is what is your family known for? Okay. I love this question. And I started thinking back, you know, like, gosh, well, how would I have answered that as a kid? Like, it's just interesting to even think through your kid's perspective, like what mm-hmm. our family is known for. And I think that our family is known for loving the Atlanta Braves. Like we are big time Atlanta Braves fans and my girls are so into it. I have two girls. They're both middle schoolers. And I think like to the point where people are like, oh, I'm like a fan of the Braves now. I don't live near Atlanta, but like you talk about it all the time that I feel like I'm like a fan of it. I used to work in baseball. Like if I could go back to a a different career, it would be baseball. And, And it's just provided so much meaningful moments with our family, so many just fun moments as a family. And so I feel like we have just, we just kind of beat that drum of like love. That's, that's our fun thing. And I think, I think all of us, like all of us wear jerseys, the girls, like, it just makes me really happy that our girls love that too. And it's something we can do together. Yeah. 
Oh, that's great. So I used to work at Brave Stadium. No way. Yeah. So after the 96 Olympics, when they converted, they got rid of the Fulton County Stadium and they transferred it into the Olympic Stadium. I worked as a waitress in the um, restaurant in the chop shop. So it's yes. not, it's not, in the, it's the old stadium. I guess mm-hmm. you guys yep. have a new yep. stadium now. Mm-hmm. And we so do. for the first three years that they were in that stadium, I worked there and it was, it was amazing. Like I had a full-time job and I would leave that because I was making little to no money yes. and I would go and I would make more waitressing. Like yes. if we had a 13 day game stretch, me and my girlfriends, we'd go oh, yeah. and we'd work and we would go to every single home game. And it oh. was so fun. It was like one of the best jobs to have when you're in your twenties Yes, and just starting. And we like, we were new to Atlanta. So we met a lot of our friends that way. Like a lot of the regulars that would come in, we started yeah. hanging out with outside of the games and yeah. So I have some fond memories of the Braves. I still have Aww. all the jerseys we used to wear for work. And yes. um, I yeah. love that. That makes me so happy. I know my first, I tried, I got offered a job there out of college, but it was so, it was like so entry level mm-hmm. and so like little pay that I couldn't make the move to Atlanta. And then it right. just, you know, of course, and it felt so overwhelming, like, well, what else would I do? And how would I, you know, and all those yeah. things, but, but yeah, I, I love that. That's so fun. I, yeah. I like literally before 2020, I was like, maybe I'll go back and like, just be a tour guide on this. <laughs> that sounds fun. Like, <laughs> why not? Like, why not? Like, I mean, I don't need that as an income, but that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, you're not here to talk about the Braves. You're here to talk about (laughs) your new book, A Mother's Guide to Raising Herself. And I just love this, the name of this book. You know, you shared the realization that some of the things that you wanted for your daughters, you didn't possess yourself. And so I'm guessing that was a lot of your motivation for writing this book. So tell me a little bit more about it. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty, I think all of us realize that the more we are raising our kids, the more we're realizing it's actually about who we are becoming, right? Mm-hmm. As humans, as moms, as all the things and, and less about who they're becoming. Yes. We're thinking about it, but going, Oh man, like this is, I am talking to my kids about this, but this is kind of highlighting something in me that I need to think about, you know, how many times have you given your kids a piece of advice And you're like, oh, like, well, I guess I should take my own advice, you know, or things about courage. Like, I don't think I, you know, I really had to tackle my fear of failure when I was by raising my girls, because here I am talking to them about fear and telling them, well, you don't just not do something because you're afraid and then having to go, oh gosh, how many things have I not done because I'm afraid of failing or afraid what people will think. So I just feel like there was thing after thing that raising them just was like a giant highlighter to the own, my own things, the own ways that I needed to grow and evolve and become. That's what raising kids did for me. So that's really what this book is. It was just going, Oh, here's all these things that I was trying to teach my girls. And it was really teaching myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. Especially when my kids were young and my daughter had first entered school, I was like, just go up and introduce yourself just make friends. But then here I was on the playground thinking, I'm not going to talk to those moms. Right, I'm not right. going to introduce myself. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and so I can totally relate to that. I feel like children for me have been such like a mirror. When I first started blogging 10 years ago on the internet, I was writing about these like aha mirror moments where like, I'm getting frustrated with my, my kids. And God was like tapping me on the shoulder going, don't you do the same, you know what I mean? Resemblance. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And really needed to go, Oh, okay. This is, this is great. But, um, 
not so great at the same time. (laughs) I know it's not very comfortable at times, but you know, when we think about it, like the things that are so hard, the things that can be sometimes painful are some of the things that grow us into who we are becoming. It's it's not the easy stuff. If, if, if parenting was easy, if raising kids was easy, I definitely would not have become a better version of myself. It took facing the hard. It took having to bump up against things and go, ow, this is not feeling right. Or this is not looking right. This, I didn't know that this was how it was going to be. It took Mm -hmm. bumping into that hard. Those are the things that really make our story, our story. Yeah. Yeah. And I found too, as we, as we began to intentionally create culture for our family, the things that we wanted for our family, we had no choice, but to grow in ourselves, like Mm -hmm. the things we wanted to pass down onto them because you can't just stay stagnant and live in an intentional way. Yes. It, yeah, really it requires, requires action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you have to do something yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. So what does it mean to find the courage to show up for yourself? Cause I'm imagining it, it can be difficult to do that as a young mom who's overwhelmed doing this all for the first time. Yes. Well, I think you, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head that, I mean, it's also overwhelming and it's easy to just lose yourself. You're, you're, you've never, I, I don't know a single mom who hasn't walked into motherhood and, you know, that mom's just going, oh, this is like a piece of cake. Like, I mean, it's just like, you know, whatever, like bringing home groceries. I don't know. Like it was, you know, it's overwhelming because you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like this is different than like raising my baby dolls growing up. Like yeah. this is a whole new skill set that I, don't have. Like I just Mm -hmm. had never been pushed so hard, never been um, so tired. Didn't matter those college all-nighters. It it was so (laughs) different, right? So you're tired and somebody is screaming at you all the time and they're needing something that you're supposed to provide or there's nothing, you know, that, that feeling when you like for, for me, like I I had both of my girls and when I left the hospital, I'm like, you, oh, so you want me to take them like and put them in a car like me, like I'm capable, like, like I didn't have to pass any tests, you know, it's like, there's just so overwhelming. So it's easy to see where moms just lose themselves in that because Mm -hmm. you don't really even have a moment to think about yourself. And then you, you just, that just keeps building. Maybe you have more kids and it just becomes, then you, you get kind of down the line. And I feel like a lot of times it happens to those those of us, when you get into that, those middle years, the elementary, older elementary years, and you kind of look up and you go, wait a second, like, how did I even get here? You know, have you ever been driving? And then you somehow realize you're on autopilot. You're like, I don't even know how I got to where I am right now. Those are like those crazy moments. And I think it happens to us as moms where we just kind of lose our sense of self. We Mm -hmm. have given so long to the needs of everybody else that we've just forgotten how to care for ourselves. We've forgotten what brings us life, what is fun, the things that we used to do for fun, just for the sake of fun or play. Like we forget all of those things or or even the things that like with work, like, gosh, I really loved working this way, contributing to the world in this way, or that those things that are gratifying to us, we just kind of forgot. And so I think it's easy to see. It's just we are giving so much of ourselves Mm -hmm. that we wake up one day and go, how did I get here now? Who am I? Like, I don't even remember who that girl was before the babies came. And I think that's a really pivotal moment when you kind of open your eyes for the first time again and go, Oh man, how did I get here? And who am I 
that that's as scary and, and like overwhelming as that moment can be, it really does start you on a new journey of like, okay, like I can come back to myself and I can remember who I am outside of my mm-hmm. children because one day they'll grow up and they'll still be a part of your family, but they won't need you the way they need you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can figure out who I am and what I love and how I want to contribute to the world and, and how to take care of myself. Those are all great questions that come from that moment <coughs> of realization. So what do you think are some of those first steps when we finally realize, oh my goodness, I've lost myself. I'm not showing up for myself. What are, what do those first steps look like to begin to move in a direction where we are showing up for ourselves? Yeah. Well, the first one is like, let me just encourage you. You're already there. If you're saying, wait a second, how did I get here? The fact that you're seeing it, like you're aware that this is, this is not like, I'm, I'm really tired. I'm really, I don't know who I am. You're kind of feeling flustered with all those questions. That is really just kind of that first step of like, oh, at least you see it. Cause sometimes yeah. you just don't, you know, until you see it, you can't do anything about it. And so you see it. And then I just, I feel like there's a level of getting curious that is involved in this process, asking a lot of questions to yourself. And like, even just this morning, I, you know, I feel like in the last few months, I just feel out of sorts. I'm sure there's so much to it of coming out of 2020 and 2021, continuing much of the same and then launching a book. And then we moved like from Atlanta to Tennessee at the end of 2020. And I feel like I'm standing here going like, I'm going, Oh gosh, like I've been on like adrenaline for a while for like a year and a half Mm -hmm. and, and going well, now what is that say is what you're describing is how I feel right now. And so this morning I just was journaling out all of my thoughts, all of the things that I'm thinking that are angsty. And then I, and then I said, okay, like let's reassess and ask. And I just wrote down questions to think about. And, and I think that's where it starts is that level of getting curious about where you are and just asking questions. And I always say, start small. Like for me, I felt like I was so lost that I didn't even know how I liked to eat eggs. I mean, that sounds so silly and so basic, but like, I didn't even like, someone's like, do you want eggs? I'm like, sure. But like, like, I'm like, well, you know, like whatever, like rather than going, no, like I really actually don't like scrambled eggs. I would prefer this egg over easy. Especially if you've been cooking scrambled eggs for your kids, because that's, what's easy for them to eat. And you're just eating what they're eating. And like, it's easy for whatever you have. Right. Who cares what I like? It doesn't matter. I'll probably just eat goldfish anyways. Like, it's just like starting small on those little things. Those matter. I think Mm -hmm. that helps you kind of find your way back to yourself. It's just paying attention and getting curious about those little things. And so that's really what I did. And I started and the the things that were coming up, like the, the fear of failure or bits of perfectionism or this need for me to control everything again, getting curious. Well, why do I feel like I need to make sure I'm controlling their schedule like this? Well, why like asking those questions and then finding resources, whether that's podcast episodes or books to read those kind of things just really did help that, like that process. Once you realize, Oh, this is kind of the pain point for me is perfectionism right now. Okay. Let's look into this. Let's get curious about it, ask some questions and do a little research and see what we're going to, and then kind of walk through that and see what we're going to find. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, you forget you really are just, you become that person that's up for anything. You don't have an opinion. You don't have a voice because it's just right. easier to take care of everyone else than to right. figure out what you like, to assert yourself, to, you know, 
you get used to doing stuff for everybody else that you, I almost, I've struggled with almost like not wanting to put anybody out for my preference. You want to rock the boat. Yeah. Yeah. I I can, I can eat something I don't like. I mean, I've even joked around before, like I end up eating what's in the fridge while my husband will sometimes be like, well, I'm not in the mood for that. I'm like, no, no, you don't get to not be in the mood for that. You have to eat what's in the fridge. You can't go buy new food if there's so like, I just am like the garbage disposal or like I eat all the leftover food. Like that's just what moms do, you know? So be present is a phrase that we hear a lot these days. Besides just putting down your phone, what does this really look like? And what does it include? Mm. Gosh, I think it is so hard because there is so we are in no lack of things to pay attention to. And I feel like besides putting down our phone, I feel like it just looks like showing up. It feels like I once I listened to a podcast. I want to say it was Oprah's podcast, her master class podcast with Cindy Crawford. And she said something in there that I thought was so right on. And she said, you can't multitask presence. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what it looks like. Like we often as, as moms were doing a thousand things at one time or we're not really present when our kids are telling us, because I don't know about your girls when I know yours are a little bit older than mine, but man, they don't know how to tell a story. Like the story takes like 35 (laughs) hours and you're like, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore by the time we finish it. And so I have a tendency to want to just like drift away or, or do something else to like, just get me to the end of the story. I don't know what's happening. And so it takes a lot of effort to be present. And I think what it looks like is just giving your attention. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, if you're, if you're looking at your phone that, yeah, putting your phone down is a great way to not multitask presence, but it is paying attention, giving, even if it's like, I, I used to feel so overwhelmed. Like I hated playing Legos. I hated playing dolls. I hated playing all those with my girls that pretend play because they would spend the whole time making up a whole world. And you're like, okay, wait, where do I fit into this, this role? Like, what do you want me to do again? But I was like, if I just give them 10 minutes, like, it's not like, like they aren't asking for much. Like you give them 10 minutes of your undivided attention, your presence, you're not multitasking it. It goes a long way. And so I feel like whether that's, you know, putting your phone down or, you know, just sitting and having, you know, a conversation in the car while you drive, or go for a short little round the block walk. Like all of those ways are ways that we can be a little bit more present in the moment with our people. Again, mm-hmm. it doesn't take a lot. We don't have to give hours. We don't have to do, you know, an overhaul. It's just going, I'm not going to multitask my presence. I'm going to show up in this moment, give, give my attention and be present. Um, fully thinking about what we're talking about versus yeah think about my grocery list and all the other things that I want to tackle in the midst of this long story that she's telling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a real struggle for me to not be thinking about what comes next Mm -hmm. in terms of either responsibility or in terms of like where I'm going next or what I have to do next, or like just anticipating that that next thing is going to make me happy or anticipating that that next thing will be easier than whatever it is I'm doing now. And so really, yeah, it's training my mind to just stop the wandering for sure. Well, and I think it's to, I I, I lean this way. Like I try to be really efficient 
And so at the sake of efficiency, I've lost some of that connection. Mm -hmm. And I'm always thinking about, well, we got to keep going because we've got this, like, we got to get to the end of the day and we have all these things we have to tackle before that point, or we got to get out the door at this time versus realizing, oh, I think my, my daughter needs something for me in this moment. She needs my presence about something, my attention about something. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking efficiency and just being like, let's just keep moving. Just keep moving. We'll talk about that later. We'll do it later. And it's just kind of having to flag those moments. Yeah. Let me just slow down, give like my eyes to them, give my attention and, and then move on after that. Yeah. I've had this conversation with my husband because he loves efficiency and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm all for that too. But sometimes we can't, we can't measure the success of an afternoon or an experience by how efficient it went, but rather like the connection that we made in the midst yeah. of it or what it allowed us to do or how we were able to enjoy one another. And it's hard to let go of wanting it to be done the best way or the right way or the most efficient way. But our people need us. They need us to be present and know that they're seen and heard. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So how do we give ourselves permission to do what we want, not what we should do? That's a hard one. I, you know, for me, I, at some point, cause I realized how tired I was. I think that happens kind of in midlife too. That's kind of the magic of midlife. <laughs> um, but you realize how tired you are and how much you've been kind of, and it circles back to what we were saying in the beginning of the interview, you know, how many things you were doing for the sake of others. And you're like, I don't even like to do this. I don't know why I do this. And and you, I just found that I caught myself saying, well, I should do that. Or a good mom is supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. A good mom should do this. If I really cared about my kid's education, then I should do this, those kind of things. And I just kept realizing, but it was bumping up to who I really deep down, if I was really honest, I didn't want to be, or I didn't want to do. And it's little, again, it's little things. And then some of them mm-hmm. were big things, but starting to pay attention to every time I was saying should oh, I should do that, or I'm supposed to. And then just getting curious, it goes back to that idea of going, well, why do I feel like I should do that? Who has set the standard that motherhood looks like this? This is the one way to be a mom, because the the truth is we're all different people. We we all have different personalities. There's things that energize you that completely deflate me and vice versa. There's all these ways. And so we're right. And then we're raising kids who are all different. So there's no one right, right way to be a mom. And so it's starting to pay attention to those. And, and there's some shows that you're supposed to do, like you should like pay your mortgage or your rent. Like you should do those things. We're not talking about those obvious answers, but just starting to pay attention to the things that you feel like you're doing that are not really aligned with who you are Mm -hmm. and really doing the work to match what you're feeling on the inside to match on what's coming out on the outside. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the more I began to voice who I was, yes, I might've, you know, you might disappoint some people which I'm working on. I don't like disappointing people. I like everybody to be happy with me, everybody to like me. And I remember talking to a therapist and she's like, it's okay to disappoint people. Like, that's just a feeling. That's just a feeling that people get to feel. And I was like, no, but not because I did it. Like, (laughs) but it's like, it's true. It's okay. Like some people may be disappointed that you don't want to be the room mom, or you don't want to volunteer in this way, or you don't want to give up your time to this thing because it just doesn't align with who you are or your schedule that you have. Maybe it's not even about who you are. It's just realistically, I don't have margin to do this in my Mm -hmm. life, but I feel like I should because a good mom would do that. 
And so I think it is just paying attention. Once you hear those shoulds and those supposed tos, I, for me, it's like, I hear it all the time now. If I, if I hear that word coming out, I immediately go, wait, 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 is that one that I need to question? Or is that like, fine. And then just, and then answer that question and then move on to the next step from there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And think about what, how much value it is when we are ourselves and we're not doing what we should do, right? Recently, um, we had a loss in our family and the way people reached out to us was so different that if everyone was doing what they should do, like, right, that's immediately what we want to do. Well, what should, what should we do? What's expected yes. of us? Or what do we yes. think this person expects of us? And sometimes we write a story of what that other person expects from us. And showing up in the new, unique and different ways that friends have shown up for me thank God they're not doing it all in the same way. Yeah. Like yeah. really, you know, so with one person, it's a walk, one person, it's a meal, one person, it's a text and a phone call. Like all of those things matter. And I think that we rob our families, our friends of a really rich experience when we feel like we need to be doing it like everybody else or doing it, how everybody else is doing it or why everybody else is doing it. Oh, I feel like that's a good word just to like sit on even now. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. the way we think we're supposed to do. And, and it goes back to, and and who knows, maybe that person wished that you would have done something a different way. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like, it's okay that they might've felt disappointed that you didn't, they didn't, you didn't do what they thought you would do mm-hmm. in that way, but you showed up in your, the best way that you knew how, mm-hmm. and that's the best that you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think our kids will appreciate that hopefully Mm -hmm. when they're older to let go of the shoulds and sort of realize that this is what makes my family unique. This is what makes my mom unique and to be grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So as moms, it is so easy to put our worth into our kids and into the role that we have as a parent. So how can we prevent ourselves from doing that? Mm, that's hard. I think, I think for most of us, you know, you just kind of naturally walk into it. Cause again, what we said in the beginning, you're doing something you've never done before and you're trying to, you're immersing yourself into it, trying to figure it out. And so, but I think it's, it's coming back to reminding yourself that your worth is not dependent on anyone else. Like you have worth and you are valuable because you are you. You're mm-hmm. valuable. You were, you know, you're this created human. Like there's so much worth about you because you're human. Like you mm-hmm. just exist, you breathe, and you, there's so much about you. And it does not matter if your kid throws tantrums. It doesn't matter if they flunk out of school. It doesn't matter. All these things is not a reflection on you. And I think, yes, there's things that we contribute as moms. Like, you know, I'm not trying to let myself off the hook. I'm sure there'll be a lot of therapy needed from my girls at some point. But, but at the end of the day, we have to remember that we are valuable in and of ourselves as is without all the prerequisites, without their behavior, without all their things, without like trying to produce a certain kind of kid at the end of the day, because there's all this pressure that we go, well, if we produce this kind of kid, look at me, like, I feel pretty good about myself. Like, but we all know that we cannot, especially having older kids, you cannot make them do what you want them to do at some point. Mm, like yeah. it just doesn't have, cause they're their own little human. And, and it was realizing that I was looking at my girls going, they have so much value just because they are themselves and having to go, Oh, if that is true for them, then that is true for me. Then mm-hmm. I have value apart from 
anything external apart from my appearance, apart from my achievements, apart from what others think about me, apart from my kids' behavior. There's value there just because I am me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's just one of those things that we have to unlearn and relearn because I think, you know, we, we've lived away in a, in a culture that values all those things and, and we shine a brighter light on the, the prettier and the more accomplished and the well-behaved. And so we start, we've just been conditioned for so long that mm-hmm. that is what gives value. And so it just really takes a lot of unlearning Mm-hmm. and relearning what is yeah. true. Yeah. And so I have older kids and as I see them need me less and less, I'm sort of having right. this, oh my gosh, like what, what is, right. <laughs> what is what going gonna on? Do? What right. am I supposed to do? Like, like, even though I have work to do and even though I have things to take care of, there's still, I don't know what the right word is, but that weaning off of like what I've put my identity in. And I feel like I've been aware of this concept yeah. of not putting my identity in my children for a long time, but as they start to break away and as they start to need me less, I'm like, yeah. Oh, like I find myself going, okay, all right. This well, is it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's so, and it's so normal to do that. It's so easy when you think about like, even someone who doesn't have kids and, and their job, or mm-hmm. if you do have kids, but I'm, you know, like you, you spend whatever you spend all your time in, like, yeah. and you're as a parent, you're spending so much, even if you're like working eight hours a day, how much of your mental energy is still yeah. going towards your children, yeah. you know, thinking about things and coordinating everything. And so it's easy to realize that we wrap all of that up into who we are. Mm-hmm. Versus these are a relationship that I have. And then again, it's, so I just feel like it's one of those, like, it's like a dance. You like take a couple of steps forward, a step back and you just kind of figure this out. But I think the the key is being aware and going, Mm -hmm. like you even said, like, I felt like I was very aware and I still at this point am like struggling with that. I think that's like, that's what it is though. It's like, that's so normal to go, gosh, like I've been preparing for this, but man, this is harder than I thought, or this is bigger than I realized it was. Okay. Well, let's like, you know, adjust from there and let's pay Mm -hmm. attention to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right. So as we wrap up, just share with us some of the benefits that you found in raising yourself. (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. I just feel like I'm a better human. I feel like I'm a better version of myself when I'm looking at all the things that, you know, a lot of the things I read about, you know, were courage and authenticity and kindness and gratitude and all of these things that have made me a better human and a better person kinder to my children, kinder to my spouse, more, you know, curious with them. And I think that isn't, that's the goal. Like, I don't want to remain the same. I want to be someone who grows and who Mm -hmm. um, can have perspective and empathy and compassion. And I think that when you do the work of raising yourself, you are ultimately making yourself a better version, which is making you a, a better wife, a better partner, a better, you know, mom to all these other people that you're coming in contact with when you're doing the work of becoming better yourself. I think that your relationships are better because of it. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's what we all want. Yes. Better relationships with our families. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. This was fun. I know it's so fun. I hope that conversation helped you feel less overwhelmed and frustrated with the daily struggle of parenting. You can find Sarah at sarahbragg.com. She's on Instagram as Sarah W. Bragg, and she's on Facebook as Surviving Sarah Podcast. 
I will link to all of this, plus where you can find her book, A Mother's Guide to Raising Herself, in the show notes. If you want to dig deeper into what we've talked about on the podcast each week, check out the Build Your Best Family Facebook group. It's where we hang out with some fabulous women to practice what we've learned. There's also encouragement, group coaching, and incredible resources there too. Remember, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose.